Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher and a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you're not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. As a former collegiate soccer player, I am well aware of the disdain with which the sport was once viewed, especially by Americans, in large part because of the ridiculously dramatic attempts made to fool the referees into thinking that some heinous act of physical malfeasance was exacted upon an opponent. All for the sake of getting that opponent banished from the game for said alleged infraction. It was cowardly, unmanly, weak, dishonorable. I agreed with all that, even as a player playing the game. I didn't believe in taking dives, as we called them. The -the over-the-top acting made me laugh or, at times, embarrassed. Now, I believed in taking a hit and remaining unbowed, not letting my opponent think that his physicality even registered with me. However, at certain times, if I had a referee I knew could be fooled, and I was in a position where I couldn't win the ball or keep the ball or beat my man cleanly to get a shot on goal, I wasn't above going down in hopes of getting the call and the ball back or a penalty kick. It wasn't habitual. It was strategic. And how the referee called the game and his attitude toward me in particular had a lot to do with how I approached that particular strategy. Flopping still exists in soccer, of course, but it's nowhere as bad as it used to be, and I dare say it's not anywhere close to what is happening in the NBA today. This didn't happen by accident. The issue was cleaned up thanks to the use of technology. Specifically, anytime a player went down as if maliciously fouled, the referee could run to the replay monitor, see if the alleged victim was acting or embellishing, and if so the bad actor would receive a yellow card rather than the player who allegedly committed the foul. It wasn't hard for a referee to discern. 
nor should it be. We all do it every time we're watching a game. The NBA implemented a similar system 10 years ago with two major flaws. The first one, they made it something reviewed by the league office after the game rather than in real time during. So if found guilty, the player received a fine after the fact. A fine. Not any sort of penalty within the course of the game. Blake Griffin immediately pointed out the problem when this rule was first brought out, saying, you're telling me if it's Game 7 of the NBA Finals and a guy has a chance to make a play, and by a play he means flop in order to draw a foul, he's going to be like, well, do I want this $10,000 fine or do I want a championship? Do you know what I mean? This is Blake saying it. It's one of those things that's after the fact and not going to win or lose games for anybody. And that's the essence of it, is the outcome of the game itself, not the outcome of someone's bank account. That has to be at stake for get, to get players' attention. Essentially, a flopping earned a foul call in the game and an advantage in winning was provided. Paying a potential fine after the fact was more than worth it. The second flaw, they rarely enforced it, and now never do. I couldn't recall a single time the league announced that a player was warned for flopping this season, much less fined. And just to be sure I didn't miss any, I went through all the fines handed down this season. It's a long list, since it includes two grand for every time a player receives a technical. There's a lot of technicals called. Didn't realize you just scroll through them at some point. The first flop when it comes to uh, when it comes to the anti-flopping rule is supposed to draw a warning. The second, a five thousand dollar fine. Then ten thousand dollars for the third fine or for the third flop. Fifteen thousand dollars for the fourth, and then thirty thousand for the fifth. Which I find interesting that the league just anticipated that they'd have to find players multiple times, that it wasn't going to stop flopping from happening. And finally, when you get to a sixth flop, that would warrant a possible suspension. It sounds as if they meant business when they came up with the rule, right? Except I didn't find a single fine for flopping at any price this season. Tough talk, no action. So... It only sounded as if they meant business. Instead, they've actually gone the other direction. They're now rewarding flopping. Now, you are forgiven for not remembering that the league instituted such a policy because it apparently has been completely forgotten. And I didn't bother calling the league office to find out why no fines were handed out when flopping has clearly, clearly become an epidemic. I already knew what they would say. With the implementation of coaches being able to challenge a call, the referees can be made to review any foul call that actually wasn't. But here's the problem. The coaches only get one challenge a game. That's hardly a deterrent, since coaches wisely hold on to the challenge for the final minutes in case there's a crucial missed foul call then or on 
a question as to who touched the ball last before it went out of bounds. There's nothing to prevent players from flopping to their heart's content for the better part of the game simply because the coaches have one challenge. The trend now of reviewing every foul that ends up with a player hitting the floor and staying there to see if it merits being elevated to a flagrant foul or ejection has actually encouraged players to embellish everything now. Now, players had already become adept at snapping their heads or pretending to lose their balance anytime a defender impeded their progress. But now, since a hit to the head is an automatic flagrant foul, we have players putting a hand to their heads and staggering around as if they were just clubbed by a 2 by 4 in every instance. And that invariably elicits a stoppage and a confab by the referees at the replay monitor. It's an unmitigated disaster. At the very least, it provides an unofficial timeout. And if, any, and if you don't think that players can strategically utilize those, guy needs, needs a blow, and doesn't, coach isn't going to call a timeout, well, let me just see an opportunity to make it appear as if I got whacked. And lo and behold, we're going to get a couple minutes of rest time while the referees look it over. And if any contact is detected, it's a free throw or two free throws and possession of the ball. It is practically incumbent on players now to exaggerate everything with that kind of reward potentially available. I'll take it back to my philosophy. I wasn't. I didn't consider myself a flopper. I thought it was. Uh, didn't think it was dignified. But if there were opportunities where it was going to gain me an advantage, I wasn't going to do it all the time. But couldn't ignore if the possibility presented itself that it would give me an edge at a particular time. It's awfully enticing. The whole idea behind the original rule was to curb that kind of behavior in the NBA. And instead, it's now running rampant. Players who considered it beneath them, like I did, to flop, are now doing it as well. Steph Curry is one of those who rarely did it. Yet the other night against the Memphis Grizzlies, he essentially iced the game by hurling himself out of bounds when Desmond Bain came up behind him for an offensive rebound off a missed shot by Jaron Jackson Jr. with about 28 seconds left. Now, Bain made the mistake of putting his hand on Curry's back. I'm not going to say there wasn't any contact. Put his, his hand there, but as, as you would, generally, you're standing behind someone. He put his hand there before jumping up to grab the ball and putting it back in. Now, Curry had no chance of actually getting the rebound. Yet, he flailed his arms, threw himself out of bounds. So instead of Bain getting the putback, and now the Grizzlies taking a one-point lead, they were trailing by one with 28 seconds left. Instead, Bain was called for a foul and Curry went to the other end to sink two free throws, expanding the Warriors' lead to three. Now, if you think that turn of events was exactly what should have happened and was fair play and that Curry was legitimately knocked out of the way of a rebound that he would have gotten by Bain's push, 
I don't know what to tell you other than go back and watch it again. Now, the next night, we've got Mavs and Suns. And Devin Booker shoulders Max Kleber out of bounds on a baseline drive. Now, it, it was Booker had no intent of making a, a, a play. There are times where he seems he wants to show he's a tough guy. So he's running alongside Kleber, and he just decides, you know what, I'm just going to knock him out of bounds. So he shoulders right into him. Didn't look all that bad because Kleber wasn't up in the air. He just rode him out of bounds. But it was not a basketball play. Kleber could have embellished it, but he didn't. And since he didn't, it was not reviewed and was simply ruled a common foul. I believe if he had embellished it, referees might have looked at it, said, you know what, that's not a basketball play. Flagrant one. Maybe. In any case, Booker did not make the same mistake put in a similar position. He made a baseline drive in the third quarter at the same end of the floor, basically same area on the floor. Dorian Finney-Smith contested Booker's attempted layup. Now, it was Booker leapt, went up in the air, so he was up in the air, different than Kleber. But Dorian Finney-Smith clearly attempted to make a play on the ball. It was fast, but, and I'm not saying he didn't, he didn't foul Booker. He did. He got his arm. But Booker not only went sailing out of bounds, but he f- threw himself to the floor and stayed, stayed face down on the floor afterward. That was the biggest part. Okay, so you're going to fall. You're going up for a layup. You get knocked sideways. Eh, probably going to go down. But he stayed down, face down, not moving. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And then... As soon as the referees headed for the scorer's table and the replay monitor, Booker got up, smiling, even going so far as to call his ruse a Luka Doncic special to a nearby teammate. As if Booker doesn't play with one of the longest-running and notorious masters of exaggerating contact in Chris Paul. And I will say, it did seem like some karmic payback that Paul was shackled with foul trouble in Game 4 of the Sun series with the, the in this series, limited to 23 minutes of action before fouling out because of some dubious, similarly dubious foul calls. But no matter in the case of Booker in game five, mission accomplished. Finney Smith was charged with a flagrant foul, penalty one. Now the Suns were already up by 17, but it just was piling on they were awarded two free throws booker only made one but then the suns also had possession of the ball just pushing the any any hope of a comeback further down the line for what for acting 
Now, these are just two recent examples, and Warriors and Sun fans may take issue with how I described them or the fact that I pointed these these two particular incidents out. Fact of the matter is, in both instances, the contact was exaggerated, way beyond what actually happened. And this may come as a surprise to some fans, but there was a time players didn't do that. Like, ever. Why? Because it didn't get them anything. It was considered undignified. Now, it's not only routine, it's passionately defended by fans raging at the player who initiated the contact. Uh, Granted, there have been equally egregious or even more blatant examples that have transpired through the course of the playoffs, marring, I believe, what has otherwise been a second round that has been chock full of closely contested and competitive series. These two with Booker and, and Curry are just two that came immediately to mind, uh, to mind as I prepared this podcast. So that's why I use them. Apologies if I didn't mention one that's more egregious to you. It would be easy, by the way, to blame the referees for all this. But their approach is clearly coming from the league office and the command center. If the league didn't want all these fouls reviewed, they wouldn't be. What I don't understand is why the league has taken the authority out of the referee's hands to ignore or even penalize players for exaggerating contact. That's not how they started the season. If anyone watching on TV can tell that a player has made far more of the contact than it actually merited, why not let the referees make the same judgment? If soccer referees have shown they can accurately make an assessment, and they have, Why not give NBA refs the same latitude? Why force them to look to all the world like gullible dummies who can't tell the difference between legitimate hard contact and an obvious flop? How is that good for the product? Having your viewers screaming at their TVs as injustices are being committed before our very eyes. Is the NBA now the WWE where... All that matters is fan engagement, that a riled up fan, no matter what that means or how what the means are to get there, is the goal. The worst part is that if a foul elicits a review and a flagrant foul is given early in the game, the refs have little choice but to then review every subsequent play where a player flings himself to the floor and rolls around as if he's been mortally wounded. Especially on his home floor with the home crowd howling. I'd even make the case that could be one reason home court has become more influential in these playoffs than it has been in recent years. All that said, I have to believe the coaches aren't thrilled with all of this play acting either, since we now have players collapsing in an attempt to get a call, and if the whistle doesn't blow, said player is now out of the play, and the other team is on a full gallop the other direction with a man advantage. It's hard to tell a player never to flop when the dividends are so meaningful, but it also offers an easy way to avoid having to bust your ass back on defense. It also means we're getting coaches joining the charade by complaining in post-game press conferences about dirty plays, as we had with the Warriors' Steve Kerr and the Grizzlies' Taylor Jenkins. Take a step back and think about it. These coaches aren't talking about the excellence of the game. They're focusing on a perceived 
underhandedness. How is that healthy fodder to feed the general public? All for the sake of extending, fooling the referees to attempting to fool the league office? The most extraordinary part of all this is that it is so far removed from where we started the season. Remember how the league made it a point of emphasis to eliminate offensive players creating contact just to get to the foul line? It was incredibly effective. And why? Because referees were given the latitude not to reward such behavior in real time. Embellishments were either ignored or rewarded with offensive fouls. The players appeared to adjust what they were doing almost immediately. And now they've adjusted again. Why settle for a common foul and two free throws when, with a little play acting, you can make it two free throws, possession of the ball, and an opposing player now having to be careful to avoid picking up a second technical or flagrant foul and being labeled as a dangerous or dirty player for the remainder of the series and maybe for the remainder of his career. The biggest problem, as I see it, is that a precedent has been set. The competition is only going to get fiercer as the playoffs proceed and the teams left standing get closer to the ultimate goal. The league has no choice but to review any play that in any way resembles anything that triggered a review in previous games. Which means the most talked about aspects of the game aren't going to be amazing plays, but rather punishments handed down by the league. Players put into flagrant foul trouble or even suspended. Possessions flipped as a result of an upgraded incident. I don't see any way in which that enhances the entertainment value or integrity of the game. Now, there's an easy fix if the league wants one. The world of soccer showed us. The NBA actually showed us as well at the start of the season. Let's just hope Commissioner Adam Silver and the owners decide it is a necessary fix. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I'm thinking of taking a look at whether or not there are battle lines being drawn between American-born and international superstars. Or is it simply superstars fighting for supremacy any way they can and seeing each other in the way of reaching their ultimate goal. I also want to address Joel Embiid's comments about not winning the Most Valuable Player Award. All of that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.